Hey everyone, Mark and Crystal here um, with the Mark for our the Under the Surface series on Mark for Glory Advocacy Media. And uh, sorry, we're a late, a few minutes late. We're here with Anne, and uh, we're going to talk about a fun topic, but uh, um, kind of a challenging one. Faith, spirituality, and humanity, you know, it's like something that nobody really wants to talk about. We were, I guess, anticipating uh, not much response for this because people generally avoid this topic. When you... Not many people want to talk about it. And those that do it, usually it a very interesting and provoked conversation. Yeah, so we appreciate you being here, Anne. Well, I I really appreciate being invited to, to be here. It's a topic very close to my heart. I figured it would be. I was glad that you were actually the first person for both of us. We're like, Anne, gotta be Anne. Oh, <laughs> that's lovely. Thank you so much. <laughs> It, it has been um, something that has really shaped my life, my faith, and um, and it's been tested pretty, pretty um, challengingly for, for a few times, um, but it's always been there, and I find that if I um, ignore it, I am kind of lost. So, so um, um, it, is it is at the core of my being. So why don't we go ahead and just get started with uh, some, uh, I guess, some topics or some talking points and we can figure it out as we go along. Sounds lovely. One of the first or is actually before we and um, before we get started um you know this can be kind of a heavy topic so maybe we thought we would start with kind of a lighter question do you um, first one on screen and i guess no no <laughs> Um, so in, in what ways would you view negative situations that are going on right now and choose to see the positive end? I find that, that gratitude and thankfulness changed my perspective on a lot of things. Back when my kids were in, um, middle school and high school, I was in a program called Moms in Touch. It has um, changed its name since then, but it was a bunch of mothers who got together once a week and prayed for their children and each other's children and um, the schools that they were in, the staff, um, friends of our, our kids who were struggling, all that kind of stuff. And we always began by 
by praying in gratitude and in thanksgiving. And sometimes it was really hard. Sometimes we had had a tough week with our kids and it was hard to think of what we should be thankful for because we were just so annoyed and frustrated and all of that. But the experience was so good for me. It's kind of like when you go out at night and you look up at the stars and you think, yeah, there are a lot of stars up there. And then you look longer and you go, whoa, there are really a lot of stars. And you keep seeing further and further back. Um, I had one child who during that period was, was quite um, willful, quite stubborn. And I have that quality myself. And so it was hard for me to be thankful for that child's stubbornness because, of course, it got right, right under my skin. But I discovered that when I was thankful, when I said, thank you, Lord, for this child's stubbornness, then something broke open inside of me and I found myself continuing and saying, because I know that the stubbornness that my child experiences when connecting with me is also going to be there when my child is encountering peer pressure and temptation and all of that. It's just really another word for strength of character. And so Thanksgiving was very powerful in terms of opening my eyes and my heart to what I should be thankful for. Also, um, before my husband and I got married, we went through pre-marriage counseling and um, the priest who, who um, we worked with had been married for 46 years to a very spirited woman. And, um, and they had a marvelous, healthy marriage, very genuine. And this priest suggested that we get in the habit, my husband, my future husband back then, and I get in the habit of praying together out loud every day and praying and thanksgiving for each other and then lifting up one another's struggles. And we have been in that habit ever since. So it's been probably 45 years that we have been praying together every night and beginning by praying and thanksgiving. And there are some times when my husband and I, who are best friends, um, could legitimately say we wanted to strangle each other. Um, and it was, and we did not lose sight of the fact that it was illegal. Um, but even so, even when we were feeling that frustrated with each other, we had this habit of lifting one another in Thanksgiving. And that kept exploding our need to want to strangle each other. You know, when I would would pray to God and say, thank you, Lord, for the gift of Doug, and then go on and and fill in the blanks, it would help me realize what a gift he continues always to be to me. And sometimes he is very hard to understand. Um, He's an engineer. I'm an English lit major. You know, need I say more? But 
he is so loyal and faithful and honest and has so much integrity. And we know that no matter how rough things get between us, just the fact that we don't lose sight of the fact that he is that kind of person and I'm, I hope, the same way, that gives us common ground and that gives us something to be thankful for. And the thanksgiving for one another then opens up our eyes and our hearts to more reasons to be thankful and more ways to, to work together um, helpfully and using the best of our gifts and sometimes coming at the same goal from very different directions. But um, it's been tremendous because we don't end up getting stuck in our complaints and our frustrations and our fears and also our misunderstandings. It's a very, very struggle a lot of people have um, because not only are we uh, forced into situations where, you know, conformity, where this needs to go this way and this needs to go that way. And, you know, it often confuses relationship situations into thinking, okay, I need to be this way for her. I need to be this way for him. But those are the things the world has told us what we have to do. We, we forget that we have everything we need inside internally. Mm -hmm. And... We, we go to what the world conforms, we're conformed to that instead. Mm -hmm. And that can often hurt all kinds of relationships, whether it be personal or, you know, uh, acquaintance relationships. Mm -hmm. Just we have different opinions about uh, faith, spirituality, and Part of what this topic is about is people confuse faith, spirituality, and humanity because you have faith and you have your spiritual does not mean that you're a good person. It doesn't mean that you're always you're you're consistently helpful or you're not unkind to people, and that well, gets so. I feel very grateful that I am a forgiven person. Um, I am oftentimes a hot mess. And sometimes I make tremendously bad choices. And they have terrible consequences. The difference is I, I can admit my mistakes and my sins, you know, which I picture as ways that I have turned away from God and tried to do what I jolly well wanted to do, not what God was asking me to do. Um, I can ask forgiveness for all of that. And I can trust that God wants to forgive me, that God is the loving parent 
that I believe God is and that God will take my mistakes and my sins and turn them inside out, teach me things through them, make good come about as a result of them in the long run. And it may just be a matter of my having made a terrible hash of things and 10 years later, I run into somebody else who's made a terrible hash of things and who can't imagine that things could get better and can't imagine that life could be worth living again or that they could be forgiven. And, and then I'm in a position to say, let's talk about my decisions because they were terrible and God forgave me and God took the mess that I'd made and did something beautiful with it beautiful and creative and i've learned that my enemies are things like my pride and also my sense of shame because i used to be quite a perfectionist um before i made such a hash of things that that was not possible even in my dreams but the good news for me is that when i am able to admit honestly and directly what a hash I've made of things, then I'm not stuck in, in a, a situation that cannot grow, cannot change, cannot be redeemed. Um, instead, basically what I'm doing is I'm watching the most creative person imaginable take the mess and rework it so that it is useful and beautiful and calling me in the direction of freedom and joy and maybe encouraging others at the same time. But I have to get past myself and be able to admit my messes for that to happen. I have to be open about them. I can't, I can't act like I have my act together because I, I don't. Nor does my cat. Um, also, um, you know, it's important to use your struggles and use the things that have happened in your world, your own journey, to be able to help others. Yes. And to, through their, their own struggle. And oftentimes, see, this topic, like we said before, we knew it was going to be a very, very hard one to tackle. And people were not going to want to touch it, you know, mm -hmm. because we're, we're dealing with two different, really uncomfortable topics right now. Mm -hmm. Disability and spirituality, you see. Mm -hmm. right? so, so, yeah, we're like, yeah, I don't think, you know, we can even ask people, you know, we can poke things about well would, would you want to be included and no right. one. so you know it, it wasn't a lack of not trying it's just you know, even when you're not disabled mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a tough situation uh topic to talk you know it makes people uncomfortable or they don't right. want to discuss it and especially given the world that we're in right now, uh, disabled people are 
isolate them and put down enough that don't, I mean, you know, it takes a different kind of person to, to want to address topics that is may further isolate them or cause people to view them negatively. You're like, you know what, this is either going to kill us <laughs> or it's going to make us stronger. So let's just worry about it and see where what happens. Uh-huh. Well, um, I actually found my um, perfectionism much more isolating than my disability. Um, I have Parkinson's disease and, um, and I used to be a perfectionist and I had three major depressions during the time before I was, was um, diagnosed with Parkinson's. And when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's, I felt something inside of me break and it wasn't what one would have expected. It was the shell of perfectionism. And I was then able to emerge from that because, I mean, when you have Parkinson's, part of you is broken. It just doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. And I knew that there was no chance that I could fool myself or anybody else into thinking that, you know, I had everything under control. I mean, I had a hand bouncing around, you know, I didn't even have my hand under control, but, but with the realization that, okay, I was a little different. I was a little broken, but aren't we all, I mean, including the people who are neurotypical, you know, they struggle just as much as any of us in the, in the disability community. Um, but oftentimes their struggles are hidden and ours are a little bit more obvious. What I discovered was that my perfectionism was almost a fortress that I had built to hide behind. So people couldn't really know me in all of my messiness. And with my PD, diagnosis, it's like a wrecking ball came and just knocked over that, that big old stone wall. And I was visibly and obviously a broken person. But then what I discovered was that two things were possible that hadn't been before. One is that I could take the stones from that wall and I could use them to build a bridge to other people or I could climb up on top of the rubble and I could see with a different perspective. And so the world became more beautiful and more free. And I found myself with more of a sense of connection. It was, it was beautiful and joyful. And, and I have not really struggled with, with depression since the Parkinson's kicked in which is kind of weird, but appreciated. <laughs> and it's funny how, um, I mean, we're all these broken people in their own ways, whether it's a disability or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And yet, um, to varying degrees, we all put up these masks and shields that try to hide the fact that we're imperfect. But if 
we all just recognize that everyone is that way and accept Absolutely. them for accept that that's the case instead of trying to hide it. Yes. I think uh, that's a lot of where, like, as disabled people, we experience this negativity from outside, from the world. People telling us that uh, because we have a disability, maybe we're not as deserving of whatever they whatever everyone else has or mm -hmm. maybe we're not as capable of running a business or being happy or whatever what have you mm -hmm. and what do you what do you think about that like about you know that seems to be the predominant world view right now which is uh you know if you're not i mean it's getting better but i mean if you're disabled or something's wrong with, therefore something's wrong with you, and you're not quite a whole person. I think what it's a think? terrible loss for neurotypical people to um, to miss out on the the complexity and richness of people who are not neurotypical. I have. Um, I have some women with whom I do a Bible study um, over Zoom every Friday. And both, well, two of, of the three happen to have CP. And they're in wheelchairs. One of them is busy working on a book that she's writing. The other is working on her PhD. I am left completely in the dust by these two women. They are amazing people they are funny they are wise they are gutsy they they do tough things every day and just shrug it off like well that's life i feel so privileged to know them and they they kick me in the seat of the pants all the time just by being themselves i remember going on a retreat one time when i was maybe in my 20s and at the end of the retreat, we had a chance, it was all women, to um, connect one-on-one -on -one with all the other people who were on the retreat. There was one woman there who had features that were not in alignment with each other. Um, a little bit like, you know, a, a face that Picasso would have painted. And... I'm sure she had many, many tough situations she dealt with in her daily life. But of all the women at that retreat, she was the one through whom the light was shining so brightly. And I remember looking at her face and thinking it was so beautiful. And it was. It absolutely was. She was a luminous human being and she loved the Lord and she felt loved and she radiated love. I mean, I was envious of her. I really was. Having a disability gives people an opportunity 
um, to be able to see things from, from our perspective and for us to be an example to help them come to the conclusion I know what kind of faith that they they have or what kind of humanity they want to show mm -hmm. you know things like that so you know it can and like you were saying earlier you know you have to look at the positives of it and even though you, you might run into your own obstacles and stuff often people see those obstacles and struggles and they in the in the moment they might seem like uh yeah okay she's going through that for her you know <laughs> or for him but in the long you know the the long term of that for that person they're able to pull out of it or they're able to overcome whatever tragedy or stretch that they're dealing with you know uh Florida and North North Carolina and South Carolina mm -hmm. just uh dealt with the hurricane, you know. Um yes, that was a lot of devastation and tragedy and around a lot of things, the flooding, the deaths and mm -hmm. destruction and stuff. And I you know, I really, really feel for those people. Yes. You know, but you know, as we kind of got to before, you know, there's there's light that can come out of that stuff too. Oh my yes. You get to see people's humanity. You get to see people wanna be human mm -hmm. <laughs> and they wanna have connections and help people and make sure they have what they need and things like that. The problem with that is the people that do those things temporarily and then go right back to exactly before. You know, so if they're consistently being being a Christian or you know, showing their faith and just being a good person in general, that's you know <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, one thing that occurs to me is that if you are neurotypical, if you are whole, at least visibly, then you are without a handy reminder of the vulnerability that we all experience as being human. And those of us who have some sort of disability are reminded of the need for kindness and mercy and patience all the time because we need it. And so, you know, I think that we are maybe more likely to lovingly extend ourselves for others because we know we're struggling and that other people are too. And, um, and I think it makes for a more beautiful world. I really do. Um, I like this. Yeah, 
so we so no uh, I mean you can probably get this from anywhere but where we see it a lot is like in uh, in politics or in organized religion let's say people are wearing these titles and wearing these hats and purporting mm -hmm. um, to be good caring loving people but then they don't a lot don't afford people the same treatment they don't need, mm -hmm. treat people equally right and how can someone who does that um say they're a good person if they i mean they're 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 good for towards people who they feel they feel they can relate to i right. guess but then everyone else just gets treated like garbage i think functionally it's hard to be a good person if you do not have mercy and grace for other people and if you do not treat all of of god's children with respect um at the same time i think that probably all of us including those of us in the disability community begin by relating to the people who are like ourselves and over time we're exposed, God willing, to more and more people with a broader and broader range of backgrounds and experiences. And our ability to relate to those people begins to expand. And so in the same way that I remember um, reading somewhere that, um, that some pastor thought of non-believers as being pre-Christians, which I thought was an interesting way of looking at things. I would want to think of the people who don't understand about the need for all of us to have those opportunities and being on the same playing field and all that as being pre-people of um, compassion. I would like to think that um, they are on a journey that is going to teach them compassion, even if it's not showing in their journey right now. I mean, a lot of us start out with lives that aren't too messy. In fact, my life was, was not messy at all for a while. I had two parents, a mom who stayed at home and and devoted herself to, to raising and taking care of my sister and me. My sister and I were great good friends all the way through our lives. Um, we still are. And, um, and my sister and I both married wonderful, wonderful people. And so in a way, I think we weren't relatable to many people because they felt like, well, of course they're nice people because they've had it so easy, you know? Well, then when things started to fall apart with health issues and other issues, I didn't handle it very well for a while. I mean, not the health issues so much, but we had some family struggles and challenges that we were dealing with. Um, you know, a really terrible person 
um, affected our, our family very much. And I did not do a good job of handling things. And, um, and I, I made a mess. And now I think I'm relatable to more people because most of us sooner or later make a mess of things. And oftentimes in the very area that we value the most and most desperately want to handle things well. So, you know, I have learned some humility as a result of that. And also the ability to forgive others for so much more than I was able to forgive when I was young, because I really honestly felt when I was young as if, if you wanted to be a good person, you just did the right thing and you tried hard, you know, well, <laughs> would be nice, but it doesn't work that way, you know? Um, so anyway, um, I, I like to think that everyone has a chance in their life to make a royal mess of things and to enlarge their perspective, to start to understand what it's like for people who are unlike themselves and to have compassion and remorse and all of that over their lack of sensitivity. I mean, I feel like in my own life, every time I have been judgmental about a certain type of person, it's like God says, oh, okay, so you need some homeschooling on what it's like to be that kind of person. We can arrange that. Um, okay. I grew up in a very academic family and I was a very good student and I went off to college and I burned myself out because I tried to be there for um, all the hurting students I ran into at Penn State main campus, which is huge. And so yeah. I ended up getting no sleep and exhausting myself and dropping out of college for about a year and regrouping. And then I went back and, and I did fine. But when I was young, being a college dropout was being a loser from my point of view. Not true, but God had to teach me that. So he said, all right, we're going to have you drop out and then you're going to learn what it feels like. And I was so ridiculous. I was ashamed in the beginning. And so I would wear business clothes to go grocery shopping in case anybody in my hometown saw me and and found themselves thinking, I thought you were in college. I wanted to give off the impression that, well, maybe I'd already put that behind me and now I was a businesswoman. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, you know, I finally got over myself and was able to admit, yeah, I burned out. I overdid things. I burned out. I let my life get completely out of balance. I dropped out of college for nearly a year. And that incident, that time in my life has proven more useful than any of the successes that I've experienced. I mean, I, I did well academically. Has that helped anybody? Not that I can tell, but my dropping out of school has been useful because other people drop out of school and need reassurance that it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that they have no value. It means they're going through a rough patch and maybe God is saying, 
slow down. I need to teach you some things so that you can live a good life. And so you can be a blessing to others. And so you don't wear yourself out. That's a good thing. Right. Um, and maybe one of the other lessons in that could be that maybe they're on the wrong path and they need to rethink, take some time to rethink things. Oftentimes, I think we, we lay out a path and it looks really good and we're just chugging along. And, and I think oftentimes God goes, well, that sounds good, but that's not actually your path. That might be somebody else's, but that's not yours. So would you slow down? And we don't, you know, we keep trucking along. And so God throws a roadblock in front of us. And then we have to slow down. And then maybe we can hear that still small voice inside saying, this is a good path, but it's not your path. I have better plans for you. Plans that make use of who you really are, not who you wish you were. And, um, and that will make good use of your flaws and your mistakes, as well as your strengths, because they're all there for a reason. And I can make beautiful use of all of you. I was messaging with their friend before we had this going on, and um, she sent me a very interesting conversation on conformity and faith, and I so much appreciated it. But and like I to onto what we were, I was saying earlier, we were kind of debating at first about whether he even do this or not you know <laughs> but and we prayed about it and you know god let you know the right people come in our path and let you know mm -hmm. the person we need to talk to to do it uh let that happen and she sent that to me and it was exactly the same thing but it was more on a neurotypical conversation not mm -hmm. having to do with disability so it, it there's a, that's why i was saying there's another element here we're adding but um yeah so it gave me the encouragement you know she didn't even know that she was doing that you know mm -hmm. but because i was nervous about it you know mm -hmm. but it's just Think, you know, God often places people in your life to do things and say things and and he uses them as vessels. Yes. And it's also, you know, if you pray about it and you can discern the good people from the negative people, you mm -hmm. know, and focus on what he's telling you to do and drawing from what you knew instead of what the world has made you think you need to conform to what they their what their narrative is of what you need to do and what what kind of things you should shouldn't have i'm right. starting to see the importance of fear you know all the way through the bible you, you're having people say fear not fear not fear not when i was young i didn't get that but now i'm seeing that when 
we react not out of a place of trust, but out of a place of fear. Um, it changes our perceptions of what's going on. And things can go negative really fast. I've um, been guilty of it myself. So I am trying to more and more recognize when I am reacting or listening or whatever out of a person here. And if I can let go of that, then there's usually something wonderful to be learned. Sometimes by the person I least want to learn it from. And you were there. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Hold on to a second. Sure. Okay. Um, so, do you want me to? Yeah. Is it possible to honestly say you have faith, but alternatively treat people less than what they, what you consider good enough? Hmm. Similar to the last question, well, I think it is possible to have faith and have a huge gap between your faith and your ability to live out your faith. I think some people lead with their heads and their hearts follow. For others, it's the opposite. But if you don't give up on your faith. God will teach you how gloriously beautiful all of his children are and how strong they are in different ways and how we all need each other and can learn from each other. We do. It's, uh, it's hard to be a human and have humility without connection, without knowing that, okay, this place is, this person, sorry, this person is better my life for this reason. Mm -hmm. This person is here for this reason. So, right. you know, other people will casting you out is like defiance against what's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, we could go on and on about that. Mm -hmm. It's true. Back when I was in college, um, am I creating an echo, by the way? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Just okay. want to make sure. All right. Um, I roomed with my sister until I was partway through my sophomore year. My sister's the nicest human being on the face of the earth. And she's always watching out for me. And we didn't tell anyone we were sisters. We just put Anne and Barb on our dorm, dorm room door. And when people said, you two know each other? We would say, we knew each other in high school. Because we figured we would treat each other better if we did that. The Lent of my, um, let's see, sophomore year, I made a decision that I was going to give up being grumpy for Lent. Worst decision I ever made. Um, 
I had a tendency to take out my frustrations on my sister. She would come in and sweetly say, so how's your paper going? And it was, I was always behind. So I go, and that year I said to the Lord, okay, I will give up grumping at anyone who has not done something grump worthy. That was the tricky part. I went all Lent having no opportunity to grump at anyone because all the grumpiness was inside of me. It didn't have anything to do with my sister or anybody else. Nobody was treating me badly. I was just dumping on my poor sister. And it was very humbling to realize that Every time my sister was just inquiring out of kindness and solicitude. And every time I grumped at her, it was because of a flaw in me, not anything that she had done. So it was a painful realization that the world was not broken. I was broken, but it was also very good for me. It taught me that most of the time when I'm feeling under attack, no one's attacking me from out there. I'm attacking myself inside. Mm -hmm. And I need to be very careful about how I choose to deal with that discomfort inside of myself. Because I can't dump it on somebody else. They, they haven't earned it. They don't deserve it. And it will not even help me feel better. It'll make me feel worse because I just been hurting someone who had no, no reason to be hurt. So, mm -hmm. you know, that is just an example for me of how faith can set us straight, help us be honest with ourselves and can mend and heal relationships that have been under attack. And I was the one who was attacking that relationship. So Barbara forgave me because she's that kind of person. And I think she thought it was kind of maybe even a little funny for me to discover that the culprit in my life was me. <laughs> Whoops. It's uh, certainly a very difficult thing to do without some serious uh, time meditating, praying, uh, having faith. Um, to un like on my own journey, it's something I'm still going through, but the real, like I've always had a tough time t taking compliments from people, right? Mm -hmm. And then coming to a realization that um, they're like the problem is within me. It's like not it's like some deep seated insecurity that you know just becomes my my my. I tend to get my back up when people compliment me because I'm like you no know, because I I have this deep seated understanding that I don't I'm not worthy of whatever compliment, right? Even though that may not be true and that's certainly not what the person intended, right? right? And then I end up maybe not 
not being as um, sort of being uh, cold or downright ornery to towards someone, even though they don't, they certainly don't deserve it. Or I, I don't know. It's just a weird thing, and you can only. <laughs> come to realizations like that, that the problems you see are not, well, I mean, there obviously are problems in the world, but a lot of the problems you see are sometimes you're the cause of those problems, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Guilty as charged. <laughs> and in and, in some ways that's very empowering because like when I realize that I am the source of my problem and then I think, well, I'm the only one I have any control over, then it sometimes, not always, clicks in my brain. Oh, then if you don't like the way this is playing out, you have control over it. You can make a change. And then I, I of course, I want to whine and say, I don't want it. It's too much work. But that's another story. <laughs> often so easy for neurotypical people to automatically put disabled people in a box, especially if they've had a TBI or something, and say, well, they don't know what they're talking about. They can't have opinions. They can't be have faith. They can't be spiritual. Because they don't understand, they, they don't have the ability to comprehend what they're thinking or what they're saying fully. And so often we just get dispensed, not only on the disability side, but also on the on the faith side. Right. And then uh, it's also, I'm, I mean, I don't have as much experience with this, but you and Crystal as women, it's like double <laughs> at at the very at the very least. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, well that's very that's true. Women are the fact that we're female. Not to problematic to some people. Not not all. Some people are a lot more reflective. But um with the disability, the female woman, and then if you ask with the speciality, that's a... It's, right. it's, it's usually, uh, you know, uh, people are very dismissive of all those things. You know? I think people are very dismissive in general. They're, we, I should say, we are dismissive of basically whatever we don't understand or whatever we have not experienced. And, um, and I think that's one reason why failure is such a blessing because it opens up an entire new world to us. It really does. And, um, and with it, all the people who have experienced failure and shame and all of that. Um, and as to people writing off those who have disabilities that um, that may affect their cognition. 
I find myself remembering reading a book called The Wounded Healer. I think that was Henry Nowen. And, um, and I think it was in that book that he describes um, taking a, a big old time out from his high-powered um, intellectual life and going and spending time being a caregiver for a young man who was mute and, um, and deeply challenged in terms of his intellect. And it was caring for this young man that changed the author's life because he had never encountered basically the experience of somebody who just was, who, not who did, but who just was. And this young man was just fully present to God and was loved by God just because God created this young man. And that was a revolutionary concept for Nowen and helped him learn about himself. I find that sometimes the people in my life who are most challenged, sometimes intellectually, have the most to teach me if I get out of my head that all teachers have to be teaching through intellect. Or even teaching in the school or some or some it's some really powerful. Yeah. yeah. If 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 you are willing to let God teach you through whoever God sees fit to use as your teacher, then amazing things happen. My two-year-old grandson is teaching me some things. Um, including the fact that that saying no can be another way of saying I'm too, you know? And I think sometimes I am negative and I repel other people just to remind myself that I exist and I have a will of my own, by golly, you know? And sometimes I cut myself out of wonderful experiences because of that, just like a two-year-old. Um, yeah, as, let me, sorry, let me just, yeah, and kids are a great example of, uh, you know, they're, they experience like, I don't want to say true joy, but I mean, they're very unfiltered and they don't, they don't, they have a way of cutting through all the BS that, we deal with as adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, last weekend, I watched the two-year-old use the word please as a weapon. And um, um, he could ask completely inappropriate things of um, his parents and his grandparents and all that. And then he would say sweetly, please, please. And... His parents, who are wonderful, would say, 
you say please very nicely, but that doesn't change the fact that if you do this, it would be dangerous and you could get hurt. And it just reminds me of the fact that sometimes I pray in such a heartfelt and lovely poetic way that I'm sure I can persuade God to say, yeah, that's fine. That's really nice praying. Go ahead. But I think God, just like those parents, often says to me, you can say please as much as you want. It won't change the fact that this is not a good idea. That's a good learning. And sometimes he just lets you do it anyways, because if you're not going to listen, then, you know, he's just going to let you go through whatever you have to go through. And um, it's like, uh, you know, I was, I, I always analogize everything to boxing because that's mm -hmm. what I love. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes fight, fighters will walk into the ring and they have a plan. They know exactly what's going on. They do the right. And there are people they see like this in the world. They mm -hmm. have all their stuff together. As soon as the bell rings, they, they have a plan. They know what to do to execute mm -hmm. it. They execute it. No problem. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. and then there's always the people who enter the ring who don't seem to have anything together until they get punched in the face. Mm -hmm. And then when, when they get punched in the face, mm -hmm. that's when everything turns on. <laughs> I love it. That's a great analogy. It really is. All right. How would people find faith or spirituality within disability? Yeah. And there's another aspect to this question. I mean, like uh, the world would tell us that uh, people with disabilities are, are, are of lesser value or maybe they don't, they don't qualify for the same rights and privileges that other people have. Well, I know that in the Bible, we're told that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and I don't see anything about that as long as you're neurotypical, you know. Um, I believe that each person has been created marvelously and that we all have areas in which our wings have been clipped. And um, for some people, it's the ability to express emotions. For other people, they struggle with temper problems. Um, for others, they're painfully shy. For others, they come on too strong and scare people. So we all have some sort of disability, not just the people in the disability community. And yet we are told that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that we're not mistakes, that we're basically God's gifts to the world. And we are wonderful and beautiful and, and able to serve God with love and mercy and grace, no matter what is functioning or not functioning in us. And I love the fact that no matter 
what any of us is struggling with. We have so much to teach each other. I mean, I was an English major and I remember learning that many people find it hard to write a sonnet because there are so many rules you have to follow, but that nearly the, the act of trying to follow all those rules for writing a sonnet oftentimes produces something that is even more powerful and expressive than something that somebody just was able to write out without any difficulty. I think we're all sonnets and that the rules and the limitations we have make it harder for us to function, but also make our functioning beautiful and inspiring and noble and sometimes hilarious and capable of sowing joy in the world. Um, I often, you know, really feel like um, to the conformity thing that we are taught that we need to do a certain thing that we have uh, to be a good person. You've got to give this money or do this or go to here, or go there to help these people, whatever. Well, okay, I, I applaud you for that. You know, you're awesome for that. But it also discredits people that are being human and having humility to people around them. You know, uh, disabled people might not be able to travel. They might not be able to get to those things that the world tells you you have to do to be a good person. Mm -hmm. But uh, having a disability doesn't stop you from those things. So, okay, do it locally. Do it a statewide, do it nationally, and you know, whatever your abilities are, but or just be kind to people around you when you're not home, whatever. But don't, That's don't, don't let uh, the, the, the ways of the world that have conformed you, don't let that, you know, get you down to not be Get to people, kind of people, you know. Exactly. Back uh, I, I when, when I taught BBS at my church, mm -hmm. uh, I had this thing called Love, Prayers, and Smiles. I taught missions, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was teaching them that, you know, all you have to do is show people love. You're just a kid. Yes, you can't go anywhere across the world. No, you can, you might not even be able to leave the, your house. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you can show love and you can obviously, you can pray mm -hmm. and you can smile at people and be happy and look at the bright side of things, that's all you need. It's a huge gift. That's all, that's all, all humanity you need. And and, uh, you know, um, this question kind of uh, is asking, 
where do people, where would you start to find faith or spirituality and disability? Mm -hmm. And if you really look, um, it's all there. Patience, acceptance, you know, uh, what else? Mm -hmm. Long suffering. Yeah. Uh -huh. it's, it's all right there. You just have to open your eyes. That's all. You're absolutely right. I have a friend who is 95 and she's been blind because of macular degeneration for um, more than 30 years. And um, she adopted a cat and took beautiful care of her. And this cat died last Thursday. And my friend's heart is just feeling very broken. And she said to me today, I'm done. I'm just, I'm out of here. And I said to her, do you have any idea how much I would miss you if you weren't here? She's been my prayer partner. She has been the one whose gentle questions um, helped me realize when I was full of nonsense. She has terrible times trying to sleep through the night. And every time she wakes up, she prays for me and for my family. And what a gift that is. What a gift. I don't know what I'd do without her. And from the outside, I mean, she hasn't hasn't left her home since COVID started, except for um, appointments with her doctors. And she has trouble walking, trouble sleeping, you know, all of that. One of the most powerful people I've ever known. In all the we ways all, that matter. We all need that. We all need friends and family like us, you know. Um, I think the world, you know, would be much better. I mean, not, not that we want to solve all the world's problems or anything. I mean, also, you know, people. So a lot of both, you know, the topics that we discuss on under the surface are getting people to realize how to be human and to have patience and acceptance and stuff like that, you know, because you can't have faith or spirituality without knowing those things first. Yes. Well, I look at you two and you were people through whom the light shines. And my guess is that had you not had things that you needed to deal with in your own lives, you would not be doing what you are right now. And and what you're doing right now is really powerful. You are sowing goodness and truth and honor and joy and love and hope into a hurting world. So thank you. And we, we very much see that that's a need right now, not just for neurotypical people mm -hmm. but there's also a world of disability out there uh -huh. and we can relate to you because we're both disabled yeah. but but um they need to just as much mm -hmm. and we 
we'll have this platform to be yes. able to to do so and we're wanting to use it that way right and you know obviously neither of us our journeys they've obviously been different or all three of us had different journeys but um i think faith gives us and this is not saying necessarily speaking to any religion and um, faith is faith you know whatever mm -hmm. you believe in it's about right. having hope having hope and having um looking up instead of looking down you know i like that and um you know it's it's an opera although we are disabled and the world may tell us that our work our lives because we're disabled are wrong or or not quite as good as other people's lives or whatever right um we have an op we can choose to believe that and subscribe to whatever stupid magazine they're trying to sell us right or mm -hmm. we can um we can say we have an opportunity here to tell people things that they don't understand or make them see things that they don't have the ability to see because Absolutely. because um to a certain extent they're sheltered from all of the storms that we have been through that have made us stronger we, yeah, and we don't, we, you know, we're at a, you know, we've been given situations, sure, other people can go through, and, you know, we can either look at it like, I had to do with it, so should you, or we can take experiences or struggles, and, sorry, and, um, we can <laughs> quite no I think I think uh, she has something to contribute to the conversation oh good uh, or, you know or we can uh say okay here's what I dealt with and here's how I got around it or not not got around it but how I dealt with it, how I did what I needed to do to get past the struggle and the hurt. Right. And I can use it to help you get through your struggle. Right. And um, we're not saying this to that play anyone's journey, what they, what they have to go through is what they have to go through. Mm -hmm. But I think what we've found is once you come to a place where you stop trying to run away from your journey and embrace it for what it is, mm -hmm. no matter how messed up it is, mm -hmm. right? that's when the, the good stuff starts happening. You're right. I remember when I was 25, um, my original family, um, was going through a great deal of difficult stuff health-wise financially just it was a mess things we'd had a very smooth ride and then everything exploded at once 
And I remember going to a, um, a retreat and there was an 86 year old woman who could tell that I was chewing on some stuff. And she said, you look like you have a lot on your mind. Do you want to talk about it? And so I shared with her what my family was going through and how I kept praying and praying and praying and reading and reading and reading, improving books. And she said, tell me something, Anne. Think about your own areas of failure or struggle. If you could, be, could have been spared those, how would your life be different? And I started to realize that if I had managed to somehow duck and not deal with my areas of failure, I would have been much less free and joyful. And she said, so you keep praying for God to spare your family. Aren't you praying for God to keep your family from experiencing the joy and freedom that you have experienced because of your areas that have been disappointing and full of failure? And I realized she was right. So, you know, now I, I'm in a place in which when things go horribly wrong, I find myself curious and following with interest what's going on because the author of our lives is so creative and does such amazing things with what happens to us. So it's like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen as a result of that. Um, I, uh, I think we're on the last question here. Of, I mean, we can still keep talking, but. We, we decided this, um, this is more of a, I don't know, heartfelt conversation. You know, you can't really, it's hard to have questions because the Lord speaks to you and tells you what you need to talk about, how exactly. to respond, things like that. Mm -hmm. So we basically have questions, like in case we're at an impasse and can't figure out where to go. But right. for the most part, that's what we wanted to be able to converse back, you know, without too much of the questions. I yeah. love the way that yeah. you handled it. It's been yeah, well, a wonderful adventure. Uh, she's uh, Crystal is definitely the brains behind that because, like, I'm, um, you know, I'm very, I like to write down questions and <laughs> structure, and mm -hmm. you know, thankfully she still has hair. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to say it's not turning gray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're a good pair. Remind him. Okay. We got to have him here. Just let, let it happen. Let's, you know, let's just do what we're going to do and see what happens. You know, uh -huh. Just have faith that it's going to happen what's gonna happen is gonna happen and be what his plan is <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, but it, it's all it's all about balance sometimes right like uh and it's it's a lifelong thing to learn you know like yes. sometimes 
sometimes when I'm cooking a steak, I might want to follow a recipe. Other times, it's just like, I'm going to do whatever I want and see what happens, right? Yeah. Sometimes it turns out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. I think we, we've both been in situations where we cook something or tried something, you know, in the house or on the, online or whatever. And uh -huh. you're like, yeah, no, that didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> That's human. No, I mean, it's a little more sloppy. Yes, because of a disability. But, you know, at the same aspect, we're being human and trying things. And, no, it doesn't work. Yes, it works. And <laughs> in the beginning with our relationship, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. well, let's see where this goes. In the meantime, we can work on and forging me. Um, Relationship-wise, though, that's a whole other area. Mm -hmm. And let's see where, and you know, God's doing this thing. So mm -hmm. that there's also a subtle way of me, me telling her that we're having steak for dinner, uh -huh. and it, it could go well. Or it could <laughs> <laughs> when Doug and I were first married, I made um, a rice pilaf dish. And um, I threw in raisins that I gotten at a cheapy grocery store. And when I was done cooking, I doled out the food. And Doug said, something in there is moving. And it turned out that the raisins were infested by worms. Oh, so wow. we ended up calling it worm pilaf. And we ended up driving way out into the countryside and dumping the, the, the pilaf, the worm pilaf, into a ditch where the birds would be able to enjoy it. So sometimes when things go terribly wrong, you end up having a wonderful adventure as a result. Right, right. Sure. I think that if the neurotypical world could listen with interest and respect, that would mean more than anything. Right. With yeah. the assumption that those of us who are not typical neurologically have insights and experiences yeah. that can bless and, and educate and encourage other people. And I would also add here that um, as, I mean, I've observed this in myself and I see it in other people, Mm -hmm. We see it in other people, I'm sure, where if the conversation starts with the one person thinking that they're better than the other, mm -hmm. listening and understanding and love are kind of out of out of the forget those they're unapproachable at the point. <laughs> you have to start on an equal playing field. That's true. You can't listen, you can't understand, you can't uh, empathize with other people because you're assuming they have nothing of value to give you. That's a really good point. Or if you're going into it thinking you know better, 
and they don't have their own mindset on how things, you know, have, maybe God has given them a plan, but mm -hmm. you're, you're forcing them to go to conform to your plan. I tried to run the world when I was 16. It didn't work out well. Yeah. Wow. And more and more, I'm seeing that people's lives need to unfold in the ways that make sense to them and to God, not to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sort of not on a, personal level like i mean you know as someone who has ha, we both have disability but i know again it's something that is annoying is that you know i can i have a certain way of doing things mm -hmm. and you know i sometimes force that on crystal because my way is the best way Therefore, I'm going to do it my way and have have you have to deal with that and and try and force you into that way of doing things because I know better or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever that is. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Doug and I were the same way when we were first married and we lived in an apartment and we both were very stubborn. And, um, and so we would each try to make the other person over in our own image did not work well, but we would get in our little Honda Civic and drive around and around and around the beltway yelling at each other until we had finally exhausted ourselves and finally gotten through to each other. Then we go back to our apartment. It was a very strange way to start a marriage, but, um, but now we've learned to actually listen to each other and we've learned so much um, lots of times what we find is that when we're clashing on how to deal with something, it's because we don't even have the same facts as one another. So now we've learned to say, okay, I don't understand where you're coming from. Let's pool our facts. And lots of times when we do that, we realize that the other person is missing a few key facts. Or I have to admit, usually I'm the one who has mixed up a few facts I'm not that great on fact gathering. Um, and then we we do some brainstorming together and then we figure out together um, the the approach that honors both our value system and our logic. And it usually leaves us both feeling like we've been heard and we've had our our perspectives honored. Well, luckily when that happens and he turns into that, okay, we're gonna do this my way. And then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have patience. Now I'm gonna pray about this and uh -huh. I'm gonna know how to go to him with, with humility. And this was, uh, uh, we're not doing it that way. We're gonna do it where we both go. It helps us both and it works for right. both. And then, and then it goes well. But what? Now, I've gotten over the part where, you know, he's like, okay, if we're doing this, we're doing it. I'm like, no, we're not. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And I've, I think I've gotten better. <laughs> really, 
Um, usually I find when I stop and think and remain objective and take a perspective other than my own. Mm -hmm. And um, although I'm not good at it, I'm getting better and it's, I'm more work in progress. Aren't we um, all? <laughs> yeah, that, that's usually when things go a bit better. Yes. Right. Doug and I used to um, used to get so frustrated trying to get through to the other one that we were doing the equivalent of holding each other around the neck, not physically, but, you know. And then if one of us let go, then the other one would let go. And then suddenly we'd be talking with each other instead of at each other. It's amazing how if one person can let go of the need to win, then mm. winning stops being the issue. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But uh, ego, ego and the need to win is, uh, it's a real bar barrier to real communication and yes. love and understanding and all that stuff. Seriously. Now, earlier, um, conversation you were actually a part of, um, one of the topics was when we're way down with the negativity and the people telling us this is what we need to do and this is, you know, when you need to do it and how you need to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, then you're so tied down in the gifts you have and the things you can do to help people, you often don't have the ability to, or the energy to be able to, or the mind uh, to think clearly, to be able to help people think clearly, you know? Yes. So I, I am very blessed by the, you know, those things I've been given to be able to clear my head and get those negative things out of my life. Mm -hmm. So that, and then, and too, I mean, we're both in the same predicament in the last few years, mm -hmm. but, uh, well, kind of the same, not the same, but um, you, can, you can't shine for people until you figure out what's wrong and what's there holding you down, the anger that's holding you down. You know, you need to find a new anchor. You're in that anchor is God or yes. your feeling. You know, uh, and one thing I definitely learned um, 20 years ago. <laughs> Uh, you know, I went to Tier Hospital in Houston was, you know, all the people there recovering from whatever they were dealing with, car wrecks, tumors, uh, strokes, uh, you know, number of different accidents, different ways, um, was that uh, everybody had a different background in different spiritual belonging and um, thought differently. And so 
I grew up as Baptist. So, and there's probably nothing around this. I love it. But at the same time, um, you're often shielded by your, your truth is the only one that exists. And, you know, whatever illusion it might be, not just that. You know, and you're, you're right. And what you're being taught in your church is the only way it can be. But, but again, being going to tear meeting all these people, it opened my eyes to, okay, so I feel like I need to, I like and that makes more sense. And this mm -hmm. makes more sense. I can pull from every religion I can, that makes sense. And mm -hmm. not just being important so much, you know. Right. And it's that thinking that um, you're right or the group, group that you belong to is right. By admitting that, you're, you're essentially saying that everyone else is wrong. Exactly. And it makes it very hard to, to um, not become sinning towards people because ultimately they're wrong and you're not exactly it's just, a, it's, uh, it's just another way for people to be divided yeah and exactly know, and if we're divided that. we're sidelined we can't have the best of what what is inside of each of us come together which is so sad because when we can do that, there's energy, there's joy, there's creativity. It's amazing. I remember one of our, our priests um, gave a, a sermon one time and at the end said, community is where the person you least want to learn from is waiting to teach you something. And I find that over and over. And so when I harden my heart, I am making myself incapable of learning. And when I stiff arm other people or convince myself that I'm better than other people, I have cut myself off from the very people God wants to use to teach me things, things I need for my own sake. And so I have learned to be thankful for everybody. Right. Because they can all be used in beautiful ways. Stop. I, I don't think there's any more questions unless you have something else you'd like to discuss. I guess I would just try and encourage all of us to trust in the fact that even when life is very messy and we're feeling very unbeautiful that something beautiful is happening in our lives that we may be on the cusp of something marvelous and oftentimes we're at our worst before we have a great leap forward and become so much more than we were before. So just 
keep on being grateful for all the, the different aspects of who you are and all the different aspects of the people around you and keep trusting and let go of fear because something wonderful is taking place. That's yeah, it's it's a hard one because we're so like I said before, you know, we've we've been so conditioned. Yeah, conditioned to believe that if we try something, especially having a disability and not usually being heard or being mm -hmm. ignored that whatever we have to input on the subject is mm -hmm. not so, so we're we often just let it slide we don't want to talk about it because we're just gonna be ignored and it's gonna cost you know us pain and uh, often uncomfortable situations mm -hmm. and so it's a hard to be on you want know, you want to do it because it's what you're what God wants you to do mm -hmm. but on the other hand you know you're we don't want to be afraid to talk about it or show who you really are inside right but at the same time, you know, there's just too many people that are not living for God. Yes. Uh, or, you know, have, they don't have faith or they denounce their faith, even, you know. Mm -hmm. and so it, it becomes difficult to be um, disabled and Christian because. Yes. <laughs> It's like you want to feel like you're contributing and fitting in, you know, but the world makes it so hard because they're so uncomfortable by your differences of looking different or speaking different. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to bring that up. That's true. And yet I think how much richer our lives would be if we found a way to do that because that would also give the neurotypical people an opportunity and an incentive to share the areas of brokenness they may have that may be less visible but may be much more destructive right and perhaps they might bring to light something and then we'll, we have the experience and the ability to be able to find the words to speak to them to help them through their situation. And not, it might not look like you were what you're used to seeing because you're not disabled, but it might give you a new perspective on what you're dealing with. Because people can feel unlovely on the inside and ashamed of it when you know, as they say, that's where the light comes in. Yeah. Through the broken places. Yeah, exactly. 
and I think that's been a hard one because, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, I've struggled a lot and it took me a lot to get to where I am right now. And I went through a major, major depression. And, wow. you know, so, you know, where I am now, it, it often takes, like you said, you know, you have to go through the pain to get to the light. Yes. Well, you know, I mean, it, I've dealt with a couple of situations, but I'm going to say the last couple of years have been the absolute hardest. Uh, yeah. If you're, uh, if you're sort of being blown around by a big storm, it's hard to see that um, there's any way out of it. That's like, true. Uh, yeah. Like in a tornado or in a hurricane, if you're being blown around, right? That's mm -hmm. all you're thinking about. You're absolutely right. You know, even doing this show, these journeys and diversity, I, you know, when you're dealing with depression and anxiety, you know, mm -hmm. those are not things you want to do. You don't want to be in front of people. You certainly not going to lie, you mm -hmm. know. You're afraid of what you might say and that I might be wrong and you have to, you know, at that time, you know, that was not forefront, you know, for me, but I had to fight them again. Right. But, you know, certainly when he comes, you just have to pray about, okay, you have to give me the patience, you have to give me the words to be able to, you know, so that I can, I can help the people. And the understanding, and then not only am I doing that, but I've done, you know, the counseling of helping other disabled people through advocacy, stuff like mm -hmm. that, you know. Um, and that's helped me as well, be able to have mm -hmm. enough determination uh, and faith to be able to talk to you guys. You know, uh, going through hardships and struggles. I imagine that that you have deepened greatly through the last few years, and and when you go through these kinds of trials like you've been going through, you really are being prepared to reach a much wider group of people than you could have reached before um the traumatic things in life open our hearts and our lives to so many other people who have also suffered it's like there's this huge quiet fellowship that you tap into and then you realize you're not all alone you actually are bonded to so many other people just because you've all suffered and we all do suffer sooner or later. I don't think it's completely by accident. I think it's because 
without no. suffering, we're very hard-hearted people by nature. Right. It's by design, right. you know, that we go through the stuff that, you know, but, you know, we, we kind of touched on and put forward, which, you know, it, it takes lessons to other people and show them how to be grateful and thankful for what they have. Yes. Sometimes in our, our Rocksteady boxing class, we laugh and we say, so if we could put together all the different aspects of one another that are functional, we'd have a heck of a wonderful person there. And then we yeah. say, of course, if we, if we did it the other way, we would be popping springs all over the place because we have such a wonderfully diverse um set of of uh things that we struggle with it's it's kind of funny in a way but we do have in common the fact that we all do have issues and so everybody's like extra kind to each other which i love it's the kind of world i would like to live in one in which people are are kind and merciful and and gracious to each other definitely um I think that was an awesome conversation. I, I you know, I, I'm really thankful that you joined us to discuss these hard topics. And, you know, we're really grateful for the support you've shown us. Well, you guys are doing wonderful work. And work that takes a lot of courage, but that is really having an impact. So mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you for, for caring so deeply and for your curiosity and for being brave people. You're pretty amazing. Thank you. So are you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. I appreciate yeah. the chance to be a part of this. Hey, I've good. Bye rest there thank you you too bye